0: One day God's judgment is coming and will set everything aright. Until that day, we have an opportunity to be able to walk in fellowship with Jesus Christ because of the work of Jesus Christ. But if we do not surrender our lives to the will of Jesus Christ through saving faith, then we will also be judged on that coming day.
1: Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word.
0: Today we're going to see chapter 11. I titled this Paul's Sufferings for Christ. And we're going to see in verses 1 through 6 a different gospel Verses 7 through 15, false apostles, and 16 through 33, a little boasting. And Father, we pray that you would bless the teaching of your word this morning. Lord, open our hearts, open our eyes, open our intellect, open our spirits, Lord, to that which you would have for us this day. Lord, we read this account from Paul's life. It truly is challenging for modern day Christians. But Lord, I know that there are those who are bold in faith. They're willing to suffer for you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to walk in the steps of those who have went before us, those, Lord, today who are willing to suffer. Lord, I pray that you would help us to have such boldness and such faith. Teach us now, we pray, in the name of Jesus, amen. In verses 12 through 15, though, we get the other side, the ministers of unrighteousness, as Paul continues here in our text, picking up in verse 12, we read, But what I do, I will also continue to do, that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are, in the things of which they boast for such are false apostles deceitful workers transforming themselves into apostles of christ and no wonder for satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness Whose end will be according to their works. They transformed themselves into ministers of righteousness when in reality they were actually ministers of unrighteousness. They were following their father, Satan, and not following the true father, God. So Paul challenged them. First of all, he says, I'm not going to change a thing about the way we do ministry. This is who we are, and we're going to continue to do this and minister like this. What I have done, I will continue to do, just as we have always done. And then he challenged his accusers, if they thought themselves to be superior to Paul and his missionary team, he said, let them minister the way that we minister, by the work of their own hands. Then the Corinthian believers would actually see The truth, when you got someone who really doesn't want to labor for a living, you can see it right away. Years ago, when I was a janitor at Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, there was a guy that started coming around that he had been out of work for quite a while and he needed work. So uh, he was coming around, we were talking to him, we finally... Got him a job as a janitor at Calvert Chapel of Costa Mesa. Starting pay, $6.50 an hour. This guy was an actor. He could do one commercial back then in the 90s and make between forty dollars and $60,000. He could do two commercials a year and live off of that and support his family. And the first day he showed up for work, I realize this is not gonna work out well for him. He didn't even last two weeks. Because we were actually asking him to manually work. And uh, he wasn't accustomed to that. And I guess if you could find a gig where you could work for a week and earn enough money to live for a half a year, maybe that's what you would like to do as well, I don't know. I always feel like I need to get my hands busy doing something. But there are people like that. If these so-called ministers would do what Paul had done, the Corinthians would have sought right away. These guys don't love us. They don't want to work. They've just been preying on us. In fact, Paul said to the church in Ephesus, after writing this letter he would make his way to Corinth. He would winter with them for three months and then travel to Jerusalem as he was making his way to Jerusalem. He stopped there on a beach of the Mediterranean Sea and had the Ephesian elders come and meet him there in Acts chapter 20. This is recorded for us. And he said to them, first of all, I know that I'll see your faces no more. Paul knew that death in chains awaited him in Jerusalem because there were those who were prophesying, saying, Thus says the Lord, Paul, you go to Jerusalem, death and chains await you there. And yet he said in Acts 20, 24, None of these things moved me, nor did I count my life dear to myself. It's an amazing passage of Scripture. Acts 20, verses 29 through 31, where Paul told the elders of Ephesus, For I know this, that after my departure savage wolves will come in among you not sparing the flock also from among yourselves men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves therefore watch and remember for three years i did not cease to warn everyone day and night with tears it's true to this day that there are those who come in among the flock Paul called them savage wolves, those who come in among the flock seeking to destroy the flock, and those who are raised up within the flock that really desire to speak perverse things, drawing a group away after themselves. We need to be watchful, we need to be careful. Why were these men like this? Why are they like this to this day? Because they are like their father, Satan. This is what Paul said. Therefore, they transformed themselves into apostles of Christ, ministers of righteousness, just like their father, Satan, transformed himself into an angel of light. Paul saw that their end would be according to their works, They did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. God's judgment is coming. One day, God is going to judge the world and all people. One day, God's judgment is coming and will set everything aright. Until that day, we have an opportunity to be able to walk in fellowship with Jesus Christ because of the work of Jesus Christ. But if we do not surrender our lives to the will of Jesus Christ through saving faith, then we will also be judged on that coming day. So Paul closes out in boasting. I really did not do a lot of commentary on the remainder of this chapter. It's quite long. So you might be very thankful for that part of me. But what could I add I'll add a little bit, of course, but what really could I add to what Paul speaks about all that he had been through? In verses 16 through 21, he calls this a foolish boast. He says, I say again, let no one think me a fool. If otherwise, at least receive me as a fool, that I also may boast a little. What I speak, I speak not according to the Lord, but as it were, foolishly, in this confidence of boasting, seeing that many boast according to the flesh, I also will boast. For you put up with fools gladly, since you yourselves are wise. For you put up with it if one brings you into bondage, if one devours you, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, If one strikes you on the face to our shame, I say that we were too weak for that. But in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly. I am bold also. So first he begins this boast by talking about all that the Corinthian believers were willing to put up with. Paul himself felt even foolish to go down this road of boasting but he thought it was necessary because of the false apostles these deceitful workers who had actually caused much harm to the corinthian believers it's amazing all that they had put up with within their church people who had brought them into bondage who had devoured and stolen from them these deceitful workers had exalted themselves over them and even had the gall to strike them on the face. As I read that every single time, even this time, I was reminded of a bricklayer that I once worked with, an amazing fellow who had come as a child through the Holocaust, where he himself said that we were lined up in two lines. And he actually happened to be in the line where people were allowed to live, where there on the other side, everybody who was on the other side of that line were put to death in those horrific camps. And so he survived the Holocaust. He had the tattoo, but he learned to lay brick while he was in Germany. And he told me that I was 14 years old. Think about this. He was an apprentice bricklayer at 14 years old. And he said, when we did something wrong, they were yelled at and struck in the face. How about that for training up someone? (laughs) Paul said, we're too weak for doing that. We can't do things like that. We're too weak. They didn't realize that they were actually brought into bondage. Paul revealed to the Corinthians the things that he had endured as an apostle of Jesus Christ. As we get into this next section, beginning in verse 22, one of the commentators said, Rarely can we read these verses without being deeply moved and greatly ashamed. These verses I'm about to read to you, beginning in verse 22, rarely can we read these verses without being deeply moved and And greatly ashamed. Paul begins by saying, are they Hebrew? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they of the seed of Abraham? So am I. So this tells us that these who came in, the Judaizers, Gnostics, whoever they might have been, that they were Jewish. They had come out of Jerusalem perhaps carrying letters with them from the church in Jerusalem, but they were brothers as far as being Jewish, as was Paul. Verse 23, Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prison more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. That's a a Jewish law that no man could be beaten. The crime was 40 stripes. The minus one was just in case the guy wielding the whip would lose count. He wouldn't become guilty of laying down 41 stripes. So 40 stripes minus one became the custom. Three times I was beaten with rods once. I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep, meaning just floating around in the Mediterranean Sea. Now here's eight perils that Paul talks about in verse 26. In journeys often in perils of water and perils of robbers and perils of my own countrymen and in perils of the Gentiles and perils in the city and perils in the Wilderness and perils in the sea and perils of among the false brethren. Eight listed there. First Timothy 4.10, Paul said to this end, we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the savior of all men, especially those who believe. Galatians 6.17, from now on, let no one trouble me. For I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I have to believe that Paul literally bore these marks. You cannot be beaten with whips five times. So 39 lashes on five occasions. Beaten with rods on three occasions. And besides the other things that he had been through, Truly, I believe that Paul bore the marks of Christ in his flesh, but more so he bore the mark of Christ in his heart, in his spirit. That is why he did this. Verse 27 through 29, he says here he, he talks about the church itself, the deep and daily concern he had for the churches in weariness and toil in sleeplessness often in hunger and thirst in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things that come upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is made to stumble? And I do not burn with indignation. Paul, to us, he would be known as a bivocational missionary today, to be bivocational simply means that you serve christ in working in ministry but you earn your living your keep outside of the ministry in paul's case he not only provided for his own needs but for the ministry team as well we learned this in acts 20 34 and 35 when talking to the ephesians elders again he said yes you yourselves know that these hands can you imagine that Paul lifting up those hands that had been scarred and wounded? These hands have provided for my necessities and for those who are with me. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of our Lord Jesus that he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul dealt with weariness toil sleeplessness he knew what it was like to hunger to thirst he said we fast often he knew what it was like to be cold and naked paul besides all these things there was the daily concern for the churches that he had founded paul so loved the brothers and sisters in christ that he felt their weakness he burned with indignation against those who would cause them to even stumble. And truly, Paul was one who bore the burdens of his brothers and sisters. He goes on to say, and this is interesting to me, and this is kind of my take on verses 30 through 33. He says, if I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the governor under Artus, the king, was guarding the city of Damascus with a garrison, desiring to arrest me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. Paul said, If I'm going to boast, I'm going to talk about my weakness. Now, we have this scene recorded for us in Scripture. It comes from Acts chapter 9. It was shortly after Paul became saved as a believer in Jesus Christ. He, prior to this, we know in Acts chapter 9, he was blinded by Jesus. He came to faith in Jesus Christ. He received his sight. He had been sent by the chief priest. He had been sent by the religious rulers with letters to arrest to bind up, to bring and imprison those that they would stand trial, those who are believers in Jesus Christ, to take them from Damascus and bring them back to Jerusalem, that they might be judged and put to death. But the Lord instead arrested the Apostle Paul. Paul came to faith and he immediately began to preach Christ there in Damascus. And he so messed with their heads. Can you imagine, for those who were enemies of Christ, the champion against Christianity was coming, and by the time he got there, he actually became a champion for Christ. He so messed with their heads that they desired to arrest him, to put him on trial. And instead, the brethren took him by night, lowered him out a window in the wall of the city in a basket. Personally, I believe that Paul viewed this as a shame. At that point in his life, he was not ready to bear the marks of Jesus Christ. He did not understand, I believe personally, he did not know what it would mean to suffer persecution. He escaped harm, yes, but when he looks back on it later in his life, he said, If I'm going to boast, I'm going to talk about my weakness. He saw it as actually a weakness. He wasn't ready to take a stand. I ended with this question that says, are we willing to suffer for the name of Jesus? Right now, I believe here in the 21st century, that is the question that Jesus is asking his church today. Because The church is being challenged here in the United States. And time will reveal those who are willing to take a stand for Christ. Even after the closing of this letter, once in prison, Paul would spend two years in Caesarea, where during that time he would testify of Christ before two governors, a king and his queen. As he made his way to Rome, he would be shipwrecked again. He spent three months on the Isle of Malta, where God ministered greatly, where he was actually bitten by a poisonous snake. And when he didn't die, they thought, there's something about this guy. And he ministered for three months there on that isle. He ended up in Rome, where he was allowed to have his own private house, but he was imprisoned. Well, he would witness to prison guards, sailors, household servants, centurions, governors, kings, queens, and even ultimately, although we don't read about this, the emperor himself. Paul truly was willing to give himself for the gospel of Jesus Christ, for he understood that there is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are with us. And that is your promise. So I pray, Lord, for those who perhaps they have never asked you into their heart. They believe, yes, that there is a God. And now they want to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. I pray, Jesus, that As they pray to you this very hour, as they reach out to you through their prayers in their hearts, confessing their sin and seeking your face, Lord, may they receive that gift of salvation that you have promised us. For those, Lord, who perhaps have wandered away from the faith in this hour, Lord, they just want to rededicate their life to you. I pray, Lord, that you would hear their prayer. I know that you will because you've promised that you are with us and help us, Lord, who are striving to walk in faith. Lord, help us to grow and help us to go. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that to this day you are with us, your church. Help us, Lord, to be your witnesses. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.
1: Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.